Uh, guys, it's really, it's really exciting to be here with you, to worship together, um, to sing. I'm so excited for the things coming up, uh, as Chelsea was talking about some of those things coming up. Uh, it's a fun season. Thanksgiving, is it too early to say Merry Christmas? Okay, because Chelsea already did, so I didn't know. Um, but it's so good. Merry Christmas. Glad we're here. We're doing it. Um, it can be a really hard season, though, too. I don't know if you have sensed, but um, from, from Adrienne praying for us after worship to Chelsea uh, just mentioning it throughout announcements, um, you know, the, the joy and the Christmas lights and, and the presents, all those things can kind of distract us at times from our own sorrow, um, but can really distract us from the reality of what the people sitting to our right and left uh, might be going through in this season. And, um, and there is joy. There is joy in Christmas. Uh, there is joy in Advent and in waiting. Um, but, but there is also suffering to reckon with and, and sorrow. And um, I just, I want to invite you as a church um, to, to walk through all of it together the joy of Christmas, the worshiping that we do together, the celebrating that we do together, but also to welcome each other into the hurting, to welcome each other into the burdens that you bear, that you would not bear them alone. Um, We are a church that wants to walk through this season together. And so whatever excitement it holds or whatever sorrow it holds, um, we want to walk through it with you. Uh, So sometimes it's a season of sorrow because of loved ones that we've lost, Sometimes it can feel like a really lonely season, um, but also it can feel like a season of waiting. Uh, and I, I, I would be sure, I am sure, that virtually everyone in this room has some experience with waiting, right? We all have some experience um, of the emotions that surround the anticipation of something or someone's arrival. Maybe we are waiting for a tooth to fall out. I'm not. I'm not waiting on any teeth to fall out. Maybe we're waiting for a timeout to end. When will I be out of timeout? Maybe we're waiting for our driver's license. Maybe we're waiting to meet that perfect someone. Maybe we're waiting for a promotion or retirement. Maybe we're waiting for a call from our oncologist or waiting to finally be a mom and dad. We have all waited on the arrival of someone or something, and in Latin, the word for arrival is adventus. And you have to say it that way because it's Latin. The East Texan in me wants to say adventus, but it's adventus. We wait for the adventus of maturity and freedom. We wait for the adventus of life-changing good news or life-changing bad news. We wait for the adventus of a spouse or a child. Most of us try to wait with hope, but having hope can often be the hardest part of waiting, especially if we don't really know what our hope is in, or we know that we have hope, it's just in the wrong thing. One of the two words in the Old Testament that is translated hope is yachal. How's that for a weird word that you have to pronounce? Yachal which means to wait for. For example, on the ark, Noah had to wait for the flood waters to recede. He had to yahal. In Genesis 7, 1, or Genesis 7, 11 through 13, we learn that Noah and his family entered the ark on the 17th day 
Don't forget that. The 17th day of the second month in the 600th year of Noah's life. Okay, so if you need a pen and paper for this math, you should write that down. 17th day of the second month of the 600th year of Noah's life. And then in Genesis 8:14, we learn that after the flood, Noah and his family left the ark on the 27th day of the same month they entered, but one year later. Whoa, they were on there for a long time. Some of y'all are like, I can't imagine what it would be like to be on this ark for more than a year. Some of y'all are like, I can, it's called COVID, and I was in a house for over a year, way less cool than an ark. But can you imagine having to yahal for over a year on the ark? So Noah yahaled, and we translate that word hope. There's something about the way he waited Something about how Noah waited on the ark that points to hope. So much so that we translate the word hope. Tim Mackey from the Bible Project defines hope as anticipating a future that's better than the present. Anticipating a future that's better than the present. Isn't that what Noah was doing on the ark? Wasn't Noah anticipating a future that was better than the present? Today, here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at what gave Noah hope in his waiting and what was God pointing to through the story of Noah. So what gave Noah such hope in his waiting and what was God pointing to in the story of Noah? We just finished up a series on 1 Peter titled Hope in the Midst of Exile. And just a few minutes ago, David and Chelsea lit the Advent candle of hope. We observe Advent every year with two purposes in mind. So there's two purposes that we have in mind with Advent. The part that we're probably most familiar with is the the celebration of the birth of Jesus. Christmas. The celebration of the birth of Jesus and remembering how God's people were waiting with expectation for the nativity of the Lord. The second part of Advent is about preparing for the second coming of Jesus. We remember God's people and the way they waited as we consider our own waiting. For Advent, we will be remembering God's people and the way they waited as we consider our own waiting. For Advent this year, we're going to be going through the five major covenants in Scripture. But before we jump in, let's answer two questions you might have right off the bat, and neither of them are silly questions. First question, what is a covenant? Second question, why discuss these covenants during Advent? So first question, what is a covenant? A covenant that probably comes to mind for many of us is marriage, which is a great place to start in our understanding of what a covenant is. A covenant is a relationship between two parties that willingly decide to partner with one another. Willingly decide to partner with one another. There is usually some kind of ceremony where promises and commitments are made, But the foundation of these promises and commitments is relational. The foundation of these promises and commitments is relational. We see covenants all throughout the Old Testament. Covenants between people, covenants between kings and kingdoms, and of course, covenants between God and humanity. Second question, why discuss these covenants during Advent? For thousands of years, God's people waited for the coming of the Messiah. 
While they waited, they looked back on the past faithfulness, the past faithful actions of God as he worked his plan to redeem humanity and creation through the offspring of Eve, which we find in Genesis 3.15. His plan to redeem humanity and creation through the offspring of Eve. So they waited for what was to come by first remembering what had already been done. So in the Old Testament, God's people waited for what was to come by first remembering what had been done, and we still do that today. And the covenants are the way that God made a relationship with humanity. It's his relational partnership with humanity throughout his redemptive story. So God's people all throughout this redemptive story have found themselves waiting and hoping in prayerful expectation. So we as a church in Advent enter into this season of remembering the covenants and the waiting of God's people in the past to help us as we consider our present waiting with hope for what is to come. We consider our present waiting. Each of us should be considering the present waiting that we find ourselves in. What are you waiting for? What does the waiting feel like? Do you have hope in the midst of this waiting? These covenants that God made with his people are promises to frame the story of redemption that God has written, all of which ultimately points to Jesus, all of it. If you would call yourself one of God's people, then the next four weeks leading up to Christmas are going to be a wonderful reminder of God's faithfulness and an invitation to consider whether you are waiting and hoping in prayerful expectation or possibly whether you are waiting for something that is not God's kingdom. And that's a challenge to us. Those who call ourselves God's people, if we find ourselves waiting for something that is not God's kingdom but our own, then we should be challenged by that. It's also possible that we are finding our hope in something that is not a part of God's promises. And that, again, is a challenge to us. What do you find your hope in? If you would not call yourself a believer or would not call yourself one of God's people, then I pray, I pray that the next four weeks are an incredible journey through God's redemptive story and an invitation that you hear, that your heart hears, an invitation that sinks in to find hope in the good news of God's promise to redeem you. Let's start today in Genesis 1, verse 26 and 28, and we're going to spend most of our morning in Genesis. Genesis 1, starting in verse 26, we'll also put it on the screen for you, says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The word covenant 
is not used in the first three chapters of Genesis. But this relationship that we just saw being formed is the beginning of God's relationship with humanity. God decides to partner with humanity to rule over the earth on his behalf and to fill the earth with good things by being fruitful and multiplying. What an incredible partnership God has with Adam and Eve. What an incredible relationship God has with Adam and Eve. This covenant would be enjoyed with God for eternity. A relationship with God for eternity. To walk with God in the garden for eternity. As long as Adam and Eve could keep from eating of the tree of the knowledge and good, of good and evil. God states this in Genesis 2, starting in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Seems pretty simple, right? Walk with God for eternity, be in relationship with him. He's giving us dominion over the earth, encouraging us to fill the earth with ourselves as a creation, to be fruitful, to multiply, to enjoy his presence forever and ever. And all we have to do is not eat this tree. Well, as many of you know, Adam and Eve did not follow through with their end of this relationship. God had offered his people the opportunity to be in a relationship with him, but instead we decided that we knew better than God. The sin of Adam and Eve was the beginning of all brokenness that we experience today. Humanity is still believing that we know better than God. We experience it in our daily lives. I experience it. This is where we would still be if not for the rest of God's story and his partnering with humanity to redeem us. God enters into covenants with us, and today we will touch on the Noahic covenant that he makes with Noah. In Genesis 3.15, which we mentioned earlier, God tells about a wounded victor who will crush the head of the snake, but the snake will bruise the heel of this coming victor. After this, the story becomes more and more broken. Cain kills his brother Abel, and then he builds a city where violence and oppression reign. In this city is a terrible man named Lamech, who sings songs about his many wives and how proud he is of being terribly violent. Death and sin runs all throughout chapter 5 and into chapter 6. Humans are building kingdoms that fills God's world with corruption. Filling God's world with corruption. And God is broken with grief. Humanity is ruining the world and each other. So God washes the world clean with the flood. But there is a man named Noah. And he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Genesis says that Noah walked with God. God explains to Noah his plan to destroy creation. And in Genesis 6, verse 18, God says, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, 
you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. So what gave Noah, this man who walked with God, such hope in the midst of his waiting, in the midst of his yakal? God established his covenant with Noah, and therefore Noah had hope. After the flood, God makes a promise to Noah. He says, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every, every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Noah had hope in the waiting because of the covenant that God made with him. But when the flood is over, God gives Noah this promise. Noah and his family begin to see God's plan for redemption. As we read the Old Testament, as we read the faithfulness of God, we begin to see God's plan for redemption. As God's people still today, we should be a people who are brought hope by the faithfulness of God, eager to study the covenants of God, eager to read about the Old Testament God who saved Noah through the flood, excited to see God's plan for redemption continuing, his covenant to us continuing with Noah, awaiting that we know is ultimately fulfilled in Christ. Noah's waiting was what lay ahead of him. The promise of God had been spoken, but Noah had a long waiting ahead of him. We know that that waiting is fulfilled in Christ. What was undone by Adam in the garden was restored by Christ. What Adam undid in the garden, Christ restored. And the flood that destroyed creation points to the day that creation will be transformed and freed in Christ. The covenant that God makes with Noah points to the day where creation, including all of us, will be transformed and freed in Christ for those who believe. In the New Testament, we see an example of this hope. We see an example of this covenant that it's pointing towards. In chapter 8, starting in verse 18, it says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, 
we wait for it with patience. We wait for it with patience. So we have already answered the question today of what gave Noah hope in his waiting. God established his covenant with Noah, and therefore he had hope. But we had a second question today. What was God pointing to through the story of Noah? What was God pointing to when he says that Noah waited? He yachaled. He waited with hope, so much so that we translate the word hope. What was God pointing to? He was pointing to the new covenant that he would one day establish through Jesus. God established his covenant with Noah and pointed to what he would one day accomplish, sending his son to take on flesh and be born of a virgin. The nativity of our Lord to live a perfect life and die on the cross for our sins. To defeat death and rise from the grave. To ascend to heaven as our Lord and Savior so that if we believe in him, we will be saved and have an eternal relationship with God. God will establish a partnership with us as we wait for his return. What an incredible hope we have. But the waiting is filled with suffering. We talked about this at the beginning. The waiting is filled with suffering. We know that. We feel that. We experience that. The waiting is filled with longing. The waiting is filled with an inward groaning. But patient waiting is also filled with hope. Anticipation of a future that's better than the present. In the next few weeks, as we get closer and closer to Christmas, I have a challenge for you. Don't try to find hope in the things that you can see. With Christmas and the bright lights and the presents and the things all around us, don't try to find hope in the things that you can see. Don't spend your money, your time, your life on trying to make this present perfect. But instead, spend all of it, all of it, remembering the faithfulness of God while living like someone who is waiting and hoping in prayerful expectation for the return of Jesus. God, we, uh, we ask that you would help us in this. We are so easily distracted by uh, the shiny things. We're so easily distracted by the new thing. We have such a low tolerance for waiting. But God, we pray that you would remind us of your faithfulness. God, would you help us to look back at the things that you have already done? That it would give us hope and courage and trust in the things that you will do. God, we pray that in this season of, of being reminded of waiting, that you would be convicting each one of us. That you'd be revealing to us your redemptive plan for your creation. 
and that you would be gracious with us as we seek to not be distracted by the things that uh, appease us in the waiting. But God, that we would wait in such a way that when the world sees it, um, they would think hope. They'd see a waiting person and they would translate it, yakal. They would translate it in their mind. That's someone who has hope in the midst of waiting. God, we love you. We trust you. Thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for the gift of his death on the cross, rising from the grave and defeating death, ascending to heaven to be our Lord and Savior, the, the gift of, that you offer us to believe in your name and that you will save us and redeem us and partner with us. God, we love you. We trust you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.